0: Welcome to the Estates Made Simple podcast. My name is Gordon VanderLeek and uh, my co-host is here with me today, Jenna Carvello. Uh, How are you doing today, Jenna?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, Gordon.
0: We are on a mission. We wanted to start this podcast uh, because we wanted to simplify the whole kind of the world of estate administration. We've both been involved with that and we wanted to share our thoughts on uh, making simple that which is complex or help to explain it and giving all the executors the right tools to make good decisions and to do their job um, as as uh, in administering estates. So thank you for um, joining us a little bit about uh, ourselves. Uh, um, uh, I'm a wills and estates lawyer here in in Calgary. I have my own firm Vanderleek Law, and we focus in on the areas of wills, estates and trusts. We do a lot of work also in the area of guardianship and trusteeship and helping families that have children with long term uh, disabilities and uh, yeah, I've been practicing in this area for for quite a number of years, and uh, uh, this has been a good opportunity to, um, I guess, put the record button on uh, some conversations uh, on on matters that are important for executors. So thank you for joining Jenna, maybe uh, a few minutes to introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, thanks, Gordon. Um, So I am the owner of Guardian Estate Company, and we specialize in helping executors and any type of fiduciary through the stages that they need to go through um, by hiring professionals and, and guiding them to uh, to the right solution to suit their needs. Um, prior to Guardian Estate Company, I was with a, a major trust company for over 10 years acting as a professional executor and trustee. So I've seen uh, the, the benefits of proper planning and I've also seen drawbacks of of when you don't plan properly so as i mentioned last podcast i'm really passionate about this and uh, i'm excited to talk about an exciting topic with you today gordon
0: yeah indeed and and just before we jump into that of course uh we're going to try to provide some information but what's appropriate for your situation if you're the executor of an estate is dependent upon all the circumstances of your case so we encourage you to get legal advice um, other professional advice from people like uh, Jenna uh, regarding your roles and responsibilities. So we're providing information only and uh, not uh, creating a professional relationship, but we hope that it's it's helpful for people. Um, yeah, and as you say, the a, a big question for people is what what do we do with these documents once once we sign them?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's so true. so so there's three documents that lots of individuals have in their whole estate plan. Um, at least, at the very least, I should say. There's the will, the power of attorney document, and then the personal directive. And each one governs a different type of role that the appointed representative will take. Um, so once you've signed these documents, where do you store them in case you die or you lose capacity? Um, so that's a, a topic that I think gets overlooked in some cases. You know, some people just shove it in their drawer and some people put it in a high security vault. And, and which, which is the right answer? Are. so we're here to talk about that today.
0: Yeah. And you bring up a good point that there's there's almost a different um consideration for each um each situation, right? So there's what happens if you become incapacitated and somebody needs to access your power of attorney or your personal directive, and if you don't know where those are, you may be forced to go uh to court to get a guardianship or trusteeship order. Um, which having your own documents in place is supposed to avoid all that, right? So, just not having the original may actually create a problem. Uh, an example of that is if you have to put your power of attorney and send it to land titles to deal with the property, they only accept an original. They're not going to take a notarial copy or a photocopy. Um, you know it to be the last one, but they go, no, we want an original. You can't find the original. <laughs> Off to court, you go, right? and 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 the costs associated and delays associated with that could be significant. So, um, you're absolutely right. it's it seems almost a little trivial, like what do you mean? Where is it located? How can that be that important? But it's the consequences associated with that that can translate into delays and costs that we wanted to chat about today. the other the other um, reaction or I guess um, fact to put uh, on the table as we start our conversation. So I think the background for the will side of it, if we're looking at it from when somebody passes away and, and the, the world of a state administration will be, there's typically only one original will. Every now and then, if I'm meeting with clients, I'll get them to sign more than one. Usually it's because there's a you know, a property in a foreign jurisdiction and they only accept an original. So um, there may be some advantages of having um, an extra original copy around, but generally more than one original would create a problem. In contrast for a power of attorney or a personal directive, I think most lawyers will do more than one, right? There might be two or three or four of those because as we've said, they have to be passed around to different places. Mm-hmm. So having um, having extra copies, if you lose one, you still usually have one or two more. I typically do three copies and it also allows them to to, to put them in different places for safekeeping maybe one's in the house and one's in the safety deposit box or off-site, right? So what happens if the house burns down? You know, all those sorts of things. But the problem with the will is there's usually only one. And the other concept I want to put on the table right at the beginning, because I think it's important to understand and frame this issue, is um, if you can't find the original, because the original is required for the probate process. We talked about that in the last uh, episode. So one of the rules through the probate process is you have to submit the original will. Um, even with the digital process, you scan and upload the original will signed by the applicant on the backside, but you got to ship the original to Edmonton, right? So somebody's mm-hmm. still going to be holding on to that original. Um, and so if you can't find it, the presumption in law is that it's revoked right so then the law says well if we can't find it it means the person didn't want it to be applicable anymore they ripped it up and threw it away that's what it means so now you're faced with if you're going to go no 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 mom passed away but we can't find the original but we have a copy of mom's will now you have to lead evidence to overcome this presumption that it's revoked which is a big deal right if it's like if you die without a will it means the prior will might be applicable or you die intestate so Um, While and we'll talk about that, there's circumstances where you could submit a copy, the surrogate rules do allow you to submit a copy uh, to the courts, you got to get over this evidentiary problem of, can you prove, in my example, it was mom's last will, how do you disprove that she didn't mean it to be revoked? Right. So Mm -hmm. the court will accept that evidence, but you got to run out and get it. You got you got to figure that out. And and yeah, that could, number one, lead to some delays like just you got to search and you got to you got to find that um, that information. Um, And if you want to move quickly on the estate, right, then then you're faced with, well, you, you know, people are looking for the original and you don't have it. So there's an immediate delay.
1: Yeah, yeah, which could all be avoided if, if you stored your documents in the right place um, for, yep. your, for your situation. And that brings to mind a, a, an estate that I was involved in in the past, where a family member came to us help, uh, looking for help in administering her parents' estate. And she didn't know where the original will was, <clears throat> but we had an inkling it was in the safety deposit box. Um, but unfortunately, nobody had the key and the bank wouldn't allow us to access it without the authority to go into the box um so that was a struggle because on one hand you need to go inside to get the authority on the other hand you can't go inside it's a and chicken meanwhile meat, exactly yeah and meanwhile the the estate held assets in marketable securities and the, unfortunately, the markets were fluctuating. And so, as you mentioned, that immediate delay, could be sometimes very, very costly to the estate. If we had the original will, then the investment accounts could have been sold to preserve the value of the estate. Um, So that just highlights the importance of ensuring that the documents are stored correctly.
0: Yeah. And you can't even get started on that process um of going to probate and getting the necessary legal authority until you verified where is the original because you you can't just say oh i can't find it and you spend a half an hour like you have to prove to the court you've actually done a thorough and exhaustive search mm-hmm. right um and there's all sorts of other issues that are going on it's just one more one more problem that could be uh uh could be there um what have you seen jenna that um there's um, I guess a, a a trend or where people might uh, in the in the past in your experience have have left their documents.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think there's a um, couple of main options um, that they pursue. One is with their executor, whether that's a family member, a friend, or a professional executor. Between those two options, I would say the professional executor would be a better suited storage location. Um, The other is uh, at their lawyer's office, the one who drafted the will. I've also found some wills in freezers um, or or in safety deposit boxes, whether that's at a bank or in somebody's home. Um, But I think the most important thing is that the executor or the, ter- or the attorney, whoever's appointed, needs to know where to get the documents and how to get the documents.
0: It's funny you bring up the freezer story because I, <laughs> I, I think um, if somebody has a firefighter in their family, they inevitably, you know, then that'll come out going, yeah, my, my son or daughter is a firefighter and says, you know, put it in the freezer. I, I remember the first time I heard that a number of years ago. I go, what? Like, what do you mean the freezer? But apparently the freezer, according to firefighting professionals, um, is the last place if the house is going to burn down, then, you know, things may be safe uh, in the in in the freezer. Um, but yeah, it's almost it brings a smile to our face to say you would put your important legal documents in the freezer. But um, I, I guess a, a thief may not look to, to think to go into the freezer to steal valuables. Uh, they're looking for a safe or other safe place. But uh, yeah, it, it, I, I certainly have had clients who have said, you know, that's where I store it. So I guess my response to that would be there isn't a, a right or wrong, which um, uh, maybe seems like a bit of a, a vague answer, but for that person, if, if that works for them, then it works. We can find it. Um, you know, hopefully it's in a vacuum sealed bag, and there's not freezer burn on the important legal documents making it you know, not capable of being read or or, or destroying the, <laughs> the the ink on the paper. Um but it kind of a funny example, but it illustrates the point of, well, for that for that person, I remember when they said no, I keep it in the freezer and they were they were serious. Um and and it, but it made sense for them. So I'm not gonna tell them it's wrong. Um mm-hmm. and everybody knows where it is. Um on that and arguably it's it it, it addresses the issue of what if the house burns down and 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 you know the legal document goes with it there was a number of years ago i had a client who approached me and uh, i forget the location in the city of calgary but there was a condo complex that just went completely up in flames um your memory may be better than mine on 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 on, on the name of that uh, uh, complex or the year it was but i remember the person came in and the call was i have to come in and redo my will because my condo burned down and mm-hmm. the will was in the condo and it was leveled down to the ground like it was a huge fire um, that just completely leveled uh, the whole complex very significant fire and everything was lost Um, now again there would have been evidence that they didn't intend that to be revoked but there's a real practical problem and and we got him in and said well let's he wanted to do basically the same thing he did little few little changes but sometimes I get involved to help draft and put a will in place to solve the problem of we can't find the will Mm -hmm. Right, Um, and 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 so, yeah. Knowing where it is, to your point of the executor needs to know. They don't need to know what's in the document. You don't necessarily have to share the document with them because maybe you want to keep that confidential. But certainly, the first thing would be um, where is the will. Put another way, when somebody comes to me to go through the probate process, the first and we're booking a first appointment. I'm saying, well, here's a list of things I need. Top of the list is bring in the original will. So it's the very first question I'm going to ask somebody to, you know, in terms of going through the legal process. And if they don't have the answer to that question, you know, that's an immediate problem, right? Um, I can't even give them advice about who the beneficiaries are. Do they even have the authority? Do we know what that they're named in the will? Are they just relying on a verbal representation of of what somebody did? Um, so it's an immediate problem to proceed. Uh, because how do I even know they're the right person to, that can give me instructions about how to proceed on legal matters um, if I don't even know if they're named in the will, right? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe they thought they were, but what if what if the person changed their mind and didn't tell them, right? So having some communication with the family I think is important in in from an estate planning perspective is is you know important advice, but on the practical consideration of where you store your documents that becomes important um as as well the other thing i thought that to to layer on top of what you uh, said earlier jenna would be i think a lot of people think oh i'm giving it to the lawyer yeah but um and but just to put um out there that the advice that is coming to lawyers in the province of alberta um, is you should be getting out of the business of holding original documents. That wasn't always the case. I think traditionally the lawyer was seen as a safe place. It's offsite. The lawyer is, is the one that's going to need it. So why do we have the lawyer keep it? Because that's what they need. That's that's question number one, right? Where's the original will? Well, if I know it's in my filing cabinet, um, well, then I've answered that first question right away. It's very convenient. We can move straight into the issues associated with administering the estate. We're not dealing with that first question of where's the will? What happened to it? Um, But the problem is that I think lawyers are being encouraged to get out of the business, which sort of makes sense, right? Because number one, what happens if a lawyer retires or becomes disabled or passes away? Um, You know, the lawyer is supposed to have a plan for any documents, original documents that they are holding on behalf of a client. But what if the lawyer doesn't do a good job of managing that? Um, I mean, ultimately, the law society will get involved and they have a whole room full filled with lawyers who are no longer practicing, but held on to original wills, Mm -hmm. or sometimes the lawyers executors wondering what do I do with all these documents, right?
1: Yeah, well, and I, if I if I could just jump in and share a story of Please. of that. Um, so I think I think it is it changes if it's a sole practitioner versus a big law firm. A big law firm probably has better procedures and and standards in place and how to transition the files from one lawyer to another. Um, but I was involved in a state where it was a sole practitioner who drafted the will. The original was kept with that individual. He had retired. And then his book of business went to another lawyer, who then later passed away. Um, and we ended up having to search the the house of the deceased lawyer's widow, um, who had no more capacity uh, to try to find this original document. And it just, it delayed everything, um, just because the storage location was probably not appropriate for the case. So it was just funny that you bring that up.
0: Yeah. Well, and to the extent executors are keeping track of their hours and seeking reimbursement for their time and effort on a real practical basis, you're adding to the cost of the estate. So that's less for your loved ones that you're leaving your estate to because you're giving more work uh, to the, to the executor. So um, in my case, I still, from time to time, will, if, if it's appropriate for the client to hold on to the original um, will. But I, I, I think lawyers are starting to get out of the game. That's, that's point number one. The other option would be safety deposit box. But I don't know if you've had some experience when you were doing um, the, the estate administration. But what I've seen is hearing from clients that it just takes multiple trips to the bank to get into the safety deposit box. And you alluded to that earlier. It's a bit of a chicken and egg problem. They go, well, prove you're the executor. We need a notarial copy of the will or the original will. Well, it's in the safety deposit box. Well, we can't let you in until you prove you're you're the right person, right? So, I mean, I think eventually those problems get solved, but I, uh, one that comes to mind would be, I, I think a client said it took four meetings with the bank manager to get into the safety deposit box. So, they eventually got in, but oh my goodness, what a waste of time
1: and mm-hmm. a lot of
0: stress. Because as you say, there's a lot of things to do right at the very beginning, and we we can't get the original we got to plan a funeral or a celebration of life we got to start managing figuring out the assets that are there we got to talk to the financial institutions and talk to the accountant and lawyer and everybody wants this document and you can't find it so it's adding a lot of a lot of time Um, and then of course you can leave it at home and if you have a safe place but then there's always okay. What if the place burns down or it gets misplaced, right? And uh, mm-hmm. what happens in in that case? Or sometimes, as you said, if it's offsite, right? Oh, well, I'm going to leave it to the executor. The problem there is that now you may lose a little bit of confidentiality. Like you're trusting somebody else to keep it as safe as you would want to keep it. Well, what if they have it lying around or somebody there? You know, you give it to a kid and then a grandkid is rifling through the filing cabinet. Well, now they're reading your will well that's not necessarily palatable we got to go okay there's a problem with that so there is this tension between wanting it in a safe place maintaining your confidentiality so you gotta i think have a conversation with what makes sense but i think the overarching um, theme would be number one it's important to know where it is more important than people may think initially um, and hopefully we've given some examples where that can create uh, create some issues I think really communication is is make a decision, but then make sure your executor knows what that is. Right. And and you know for each other. Right. And then we and I think there's a benefit of working with a professional uh, again, a bit biased, maybe in that regard, because at least then the lawyer has has the copy. Yeah, I've had a number of cases over the years where people go, yeah, I remember they did their own will and like they read it to me. So I know it existed. The person talked about, yeah, yeah, I did my will, but then nobody can find it. And now they're searching all over the place to try to find that one will. There was one case in particular that I think they, they, it took over a year. They, they were convinced the will was there. They went to every, every lawyer in the area. They, they went to the Canadian bar association they went to the law society. They put notices in the paper. They were talking to whoever to say, where, where did this person put their will? Never did find it, but they knew it existed, and how frustrating was that, right? Because the results yeah. were significantly different versus, you know, whether he had a will, because they understood what his intent was, but they couldn't find the legal document to carry it out. So then, if he passes away on intestacy, it could be very different beneficiaries. Yeah, um, and 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 other additional applications to the court. It was just a real mess, because um, he did it himself, and then he he put it in a very safe place, but no one ever found it.
1: Oh, that's that's so disheartening, isn't it? And and I I, I see some of the changes that are happening in the legal community and specifically in BC where they're adopting um, people having the ability to write electronic wills. Yes. Um, do you think that's going to come to Alberta? And, and do you think that'll solve all of our issues with respect to document storage?
0: I think the answer, my, my guess is that we're heading down that road um from we, we are we we're able to do remote signings in Alberta but not electronic wills. so the difference would be that you're signing electronically it's a it's not a piece of paper that's scanned in and stored somewhere um so where we could have somebody over a webcam we can view somebody signing and they can see us signing with a with a witness so with the two witness requirements this would be um that it could be done digitally, right, and stored digitally, which in first blush, you would say, well, doesn't that solve the problem if I just know it's in this folder in the cloud? But that, as you can imagine, probably has its own host of problems. Um, in, in terms of the reading I've done um, and chatting with lawyers in BC, um, there's still lots of wrinkles in it, and it's not the maybe the panacea to say, well, this is solving all the problems. And in BC, I don't think many lawyers are actually doing the electronic wills because how do you keep it safe? How do you prove it wasn't it wasn't changed or altered afterwards? The tried and true method of, you know, pen and paper, um, you know, it works. We know it works. We know what the rules are and we can rely on that versus we got to try something really new. Oftentimes lawyers are wanting to rely on what they know to be certain, right? So we rely on precedent and this is what the law is as opposed to what the law should be so I I think we're going down that path the fact that we have um a province in 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 Canada um in in so far as BC actually adopting electronic wills and having those rules means I think it's going to trickle into the other provinces I I think they got to come up with certainly systems to make it usable so that professionals have confidence in the system but I think over time we'll get more confidence and more rules and more certainty, right? So, because we're never going to advise a path which creates uncertainty for our clients. We want certainty and we, a known result. So, I think we are going down that route and that may solve the problem for for some people, but we're a ways away from saying, oh, I could do my will on DocuSign. Um, you know, and there's still, um, there's still the need for a meeting and getting together, right? Yeah. Um, which is funny, when you look at, at lawyers advertising or on their websites, I should check, maybe I even have it on mine. It's like the fountain pen with the fancy paper, right? <laughs> I mean, that's sort of what everybody thinks of with the will, because there is an element of saying there's a formality, right? There's a there's a stated intent that this is what I want to have happen to my property when I'm no longer here, either disabled or on death. Um, so knowing where that important legal document is, because it's, it's your final wish. Right, so you talk your last will, is, you know, is um, is is really important. You want to make sure your intentions get carried out. So that starts with finding a safe place and making sure the executor knows where that where that is.
1: Yeah, I think that's the perfect summary to our discussion today. Um, we should pick this conversation up in five or ten years to see where the the whole world of electronic signings and estate planning yes. is. Um, But that
0: that is a whole other that can be a whole other topic. And I think if that uh, we are watching with great interest, some of the developments in BC and say, how does it impact this area? But uh, um, if if you as a listener um, can't answer the question is of where is your will, then I would encourage you to take some action to either find it or say, well, maybe we need to redo it. That's a good excuse to say, let's redo our will because you know, we did it in in Edmonton, and we moved from Edmonton to Calgary, and now I, I don't even know that lawyer. I don't know where it is. Um, so, if that applies to you, uh, maybe this is a a podcast episode that will will help you solve what could be a big problem. So, uh, yeah, thanks Jenna for sharing your experiences, because that's I think sending the signal that this is a real problem. You know, if you don't if you don't do this well, it could create a a problem. But it is a problem that is avoidable.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, thanks, Gordon. Um, Next episode, we'll be talking about common executor mistakes. So feel free to listen in. Thanks, everyone. Bye now.